I mean, you see those names keep popping up. It's like, when's my name going to pop up? When is it going to pop up? And then a couple picks before crew had their pick, um, my friend who was sitting close to me, he goes, Jake, Columbus is coming up. Columbus is coming up. And I was like, be quiet. Like, don't put anything in my head. Like, please be quiet. If they draft me, hell yeah. If they don't, like, I mean, it is what it is, but oh man, I tell you what, the what was running through my mind was, man, if Columbus drafts me, like that would be, I mean, it would be full circle, you know, like somewhere I grew up going to um, supporting those guys like John Bush and Frankie Haydu, Chad Marshall, all those guys watching them on that pitch. Um, it was all those thoughts were kind of running through my head. Like, will I be playing? I mean, not playing on the same pitch as them because of the new stadium, but will I be putting on the same jersey, you know? Um, and when I saw my name pop up for Columbus Crew, I mean, I just stood up, I hit the couch, and I just kind of let out emotions, um, almost like I had just won an NCAA tournament game. I kind of just yelled, and I was just like, that's like that's amazing let's go like let's go live from my man cave in chesapeake virginia this is mls gone wild i'm your host blake here to bring you the latest news rumors opinions analytics interviews and all things mls and american soccer let's get it going Hello and welcome to MLS Gone Wild, Season 4, Episode 1. This is your host, Blake. On this week's episode of MLS Gone Wild, I'm joined by two-time All-Mac First Team Selection, United Soccer Coaches All-North Region First Team Selection, one of just 44 players invited to this year's MLS College Soccer Showcase, and Columbus Crew's second round selection in this year's MLS Super Draft, Jacob Erlinson, center back from Bowling Green State University, Jacob, congrats and welcome to MLS Gone Wild. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Of course. All right. So before we get into the soccer side of things, let's get to know you off the pitch. You ready? Yeah. All right. So if you could choose one song to play every time you walked into a room for the rest of your life, what song would you choose and why? Um, choose carefully. I like, I like a song called La Cancion by Bad Bunny. Um, it's just good vibes, and I feel like everyone likes that song who listens to it. So, yeah, La Cancion. I'm going to have to check that one out. So if you have the ox in the locker room, that's a song you're playing to? Yes, sir. <laughs> awesome. All right, so if you had to write your own autobiography, what would you title it? Oh, man, that's tough, but I'd probably title it Soccer. <laughs> or soccer player or something to do with soccer um that's just all I know you know that's what I've been doing my whole life so probably the soccer player or something like that <laughs> okay I was thinking maybe something about stepping up to the occasion because it seems like everywhere you go you're always ready to raise the level you know but we'll, we'll get into that in a little bit all right next one do you have a nickname that the crew fans need to know for chanting purposes um no I actually don't have a nickname so I'm hoping maybe they can create one for me all right we'll see what they yeah. can come up with yeah <laughs> who was your biggest inspiration growing up 
my biggest inspiration uh, was my older brother, uh, my older brother, Daniel. Um, he's about five and a half years older than me. And I just, obviously you want to be like your older brother, right? So just grew up looking up to him and wanting to be like him. So, yeah. Very cool. I don't have an older brother, so I don't know what that's like. I'm an only child. Oh man, I got three. So <laughs> I definitely know what it's like to have siblings and have brothers. <laughs> When you're when you aren't on the pitch, how do you like to spend your free time? Um, I like to listen to music. Um, I like to watch soccer, um, any type of game that's on, whether it's Premier League or last night I was watching some um, Brazilian. I was watching some Brazilian soccer. I was watching Flamengo play. Um, so, yeah, I like to watch soccer in my free time and then, yeah, just listen to music. Who's your Premier League team? Uh, Chelsea. I love Chelsea. Been a Chelsea fan since I was, I, I can't even remember, since I was young. So, yeah. <laughs> Who's your favorite player or your favorite player to ever play for Chelsea? John Terry, maybe? So being a defender, people usually think it's John Terry, but I'm actually a huge Frank Lampard fan. Uh, I grew up just loving Frank Lampard. I actually used to play in the midfield when I was younger. So, I had a Frank Lampard jersey brought to me by my older brother when I was young. Um, he went to England and brought back a Frank Lampard jersey for me. So um, I just, yeah, that's my favorite player all the time. Um, loved his mentality. And I just thought, I, I still think he's the best midfielder to play in the Premier League. Sorry, Stevie G fans. I'm not going to disagree with you there. Both class <laughs> players. Uh, I'm unfortunately an Arsenal fan. I say that way too often on this podcast. <laughs> Nice. But uh, I asked your Premier League team, who's your MLS team, man? My MLS team is Columbus Crew. I grew up watching them, um, grew up going to games. And so, yeah, it's, I mean, that's why I'm pretty excited that I was drafted there just because, I mean, that's the team that I've grown up supporting um, in the MLS. So pretty cool. Pretty cool. I had a feeling you were going to say that. I had these questions for later on in the podcast, but they seem appropriate now. Who's your favorite crew player of all time? My favorite crew player of all time. I have a couple, actually. Uh, I love John Bush. Um, I think just being a shorter goalkeeper. Um, I also got to meet him a couple of times. But being a shorter goalkeeper and just kind of dominating that box, um, making the saves he did. I, I love John Bush. Um, and he was also super successful. Um, but I also loved uh, Frankie Hayduk. Um, man, what a player, what a player. I loved his hair growing up. I mean, as a kid, you see his hair flopping around everywhere and him flying up and down the wing. Um, yeah, so that's probably, those are probably two of my favorite players. I also like Chad Marshall as well. I had a feeling um, you were going to say that. Yeah, yeah, great defender. Um, both those two guys were obviously on the 2008 um, MLS Cup team so yeah I grew up watching those guys and, and love those guys that's awesome so you bring up the 2008 MLS Cup team what is your favorite memory of being a crew fan it could be a game you attended or you know meeting John Bush or you know what what's your favorite moment from being a crew fan my favorite moment I actually got to go on the pitch and hold the MLS Cup trophy um, I have a picture of it as well um, I was nine or ten so it was right it was after it was yeah it was after they won the trophy uh in 2008 so I was probably about nine 
um, and I got to stand on the pitch, get a picture taken with the trophy um, at Matt Free Stadium. So, yeah, that's probably my favorite memory uh, that I can remember. Um, pretty cool, pretty cool memory too. <laughs> yeah, no, that is really cool. You and I aren't so different. So last year after they, not last year, but the year before that, when they won the 2020 MLS Cup, I went home and I attended MLS Cup, which was obviously really cool because they shut out the Sounders 3-0. But a couple of days later, they invited fans to come and take a picture with the trophy. Nice. And that was my last time ever at Matt Bray Stadium. And that is and will forever be my favorite moment from being a crew fan. So, yeah. It's crazy. I mean, you can you can look at that trophy and see the trophy in pictures, but when you stand by it and when you hold it, I mean, hopefully one day I can maybe win it myself. Um, but yeah, that was definitely one thing that just stuck in my head too. And I don't think I'll ever forget that. All right. So we're going to go from trophies to where it all started for you. Obviously your dreams of becoming a professional soccer player have become a reality, but let's go back to where that dream started. Why soccer? Where did you develop your love for the beautiful game? Yeah. So, um, growing up, I mentioned earlier, I had an older brother uh, who's like five, six years older than me. Um, and he's the one who kind of got into sports before I ever could. Um, and then obviously wanting to be like him, I wanted to copy everything he did. And so I played a bunch of other sports too, basketball, baseball. Um, I even ran track for a little bit, but soccer was just one thing that my older brother loved more than any of those sports. And so copying him, I mean, I kind of, it grew on to me as well and grew on to my other brothers. Um, and that's kind of where I developed my love for soccer um, more than those other sports, I guess you could say. Uh, and I just wanted to um, play, be on the ball, um, whether it was in the backyard with him or with my other brothers or with my friends in the street. Um, that's kind of where my love grew for the game of soccer. And then obviously watching the game, I just I just enjoyed going to those crew games. And, and that's kind of where it developed as well. Very cool. So you've referenced family. You've referenced your brother multiple times throughout this. Tell us a little bit about that, because from my research from the, the Bowling Green website, it looks like you're a family of athletes. Am I correct? Yes. Yeah, we are. So all all three of my brothers and I, we all played um, baseball, basketball, soccer. A um, couple of them swam, uh, did track. Um, uh, I think that's pretty oh, tennis, tennis, too. Uh, so, yeah, we all played a bunch of different sports, um, even extended family uh, played soccer. I had a cousin who I grew up playing soccer with. Um, and we actually went to uh, Huntington together, too, before um, he ended up leaving. But, yeah, I mean, sports just run in our family, and, and we're a very competitive family. Obviously, growing up with four boys in the house, um, my mom couldn't really get away from all the arguments and, and fights we had over those sports. So uh, that's kind of where I developed, I guess, my competitiveness, too. But... Yeah, definitely a, a family of just uh, athletes. And um, my older brother actually played Division One soccer. And then my younger brother uh, is with me, well, was with me this past year at Bowling Green, um, too, playing. So uh, three of us out of the four ended up playing Division One soccer, which is pretty crazy. Um, pretty cool accomplishment, too. Obviously, parents very proud of that. <laughs> um, but yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So 
you played with your brother at Bowling Green. Today, the Columbus crew just signed Jake Morris, Aiden Morris's uh, older brother by two years. So give us some insight on what it's like playing with your brother. You know, you grew up with the guy and now, now you're playing at, you know, for you guys, the collegiate level together. Yeah, to be honest, like it's it's probably one thing that will stick with both of us for the rest of our lives. You know, I'm, I'm hoping that we both have families one day and then kids and, and we can kind of share those memories and stories together because, I mean, it's just, it's, it's surreal. It's a dream come true. We always wanted to do it growing up, um, especially me and my younger brother. We're the closest in age out of all of um, my brothers and I. And so we grew up just going at it. Um, and then eventually uh, we're on the same team together and we can kind of bring that competitiveness towards other teams instead of uh, towards each other. But uh, it's just, it, it was a cool experience. I actually got to play with him at Huntington too before he transferred to Bowling Green after I transferred. And so I got to play with them two separate seasons. Um, in both seasons, uh, we were successful and, and we push each other. Um, to be honest, I think the the one thing I like most about it is the work we put off the field together. Um, there's not many people on the team that I could just text and rely on uh, to come do extra workouts and or an extra run or get touches on the ball. But I know I can always rely on him to say yes and and get out on the field and and put extra work in with me. So that's probably the coolest part about it is just um, knowing that I have that. Um, and someone to push me and someone who knows me really well. So that was probably the coolest part. That's really cool. Yeah. So for the listeners that don't know your journey, Jacob, walk us through your career leading up to your transfer to Bowling Green. Ooh, man, where do I start? Let's we talk, see. we talk about path to pro and yours has been one of the most interesting ones. Yeah. Um, well, I guess I could say like I started, I started playing when I was three, four years old. Um, I grew up, uh, my first six years, I grew up in Akron, Ohio. Um, and I played with my other older brother, Jared. Um, he's two years older than me. And I played up with him in a candy league until we moved to Dayton when I was around six or seven. And then we joined a club called NWC Alliance. which is a small local club. Um, started by a guy who's pretty famous around this area and maybe I mean even the state of Ohio his name's Vincent Cohen um, and his son Brian Cohen was a really good trainer um, had a really good career himself um, and my parents just kind of threw me and my brothers into that club because it was pretty close to our house and we ended up staying there because the environment of that club was was really good and obviously like I said the trainer was a very good trainer and very good person. Um, and then I played there uh, till I was in eighth grade. And I was actually in eighth grade, I was actually part of the first team that won a state championship for that small local club. So that's a pretty cool accomplishment that I'll always remember. Um, but then we had a club that was the high school like affiliate with that NWC Alliance um, called Ohio Galaxies. Um, and so I moved to that club when we were in high school and my whole team kind of transferred over um, to that club. So we got to stay together. 
and played there for all four years of my high school. Um, my parents didn't want to send me to a crew academy just because it was a little bit of a drive. Um, it's a lot of effort for my parents uh, who both worked full-time jobs. And so didn't get to do that. I had some friends that, that went and played for crew academy, but you know, I was, I wasn't, to ask to, to go there. I, I was all right with playing with my friends who I grew up playing with. And, and then during my four years, I got to play high school as well since I didn't play academy. So I played um, for a small D3 private school called Dayton Christian. Um, and then uh, doing or playing for both of those, that club and then also that high school, I didn't really get much exposure um, compared to playing for like a cup out of Cincinnati or crew Academy or internationals out of Cleveland, you know, you, you know, those big name clubs, um, and also just like big D one schools like St. Ignatius or whatnot. So I didn't get much exposure. I wasn't as developed as I was now. Um, I was actually like five, nine, five, ten coming out of high school. Um, I also played forward, so I wasn't even a center back yet. Um, so, so before you go any further, Jake, <laughs> these stats from high school are insane. I was going to ask you, I was like, there's no way that this kid played center back and put up, what, 97 goals and 56 assists in four yeah. years. But yeah. your senior year stat line is stupid, brother. 48 goals and 17 assists. Yeah. <laughs> like, like yeah. what? What? Yeah. So obviously um, <laughs> playing uh, at a smaller school, but also playing at a pretty, like my club team was pretty good. Uh, we we're at a high level. We we're in national league. Um, we won state championships. Um, so we we're a pretty good club, even though it was a small local club. Um, but I played uh, at the small D3 school. So we played other small D3 schools, right? And some D2 schools, maybe the occasional D1 school, but um, so some games, yeah, I mean, I was putting up like three or four goals. Uh, I think one game I had a double hat trick and my coach pulled me out and he's like, all right, you're done. Like, we're going to win this game. I don't want you to get hurt. And I was like, all right, like I want to score more goals. And I didn't really show any mercy. So my coach, I mean, he started taking me out sometimes when I was putting three or four in and letting other guys play. But uh yeah, I mean, I didn't really like to show mercy. I'm a competitive guy. I like to score goals, at least. I mean, I still like to score goals even at center back. But um, yeah, I mean, those stats, when I look back at it, I'm like, wow, like those stats are really ridiculous. But I mean, like I said, high school soccer wasn't as, especially at the D3 level, wasn't too good. Um, but I took advantage of that. <laughs> I would say so. Yeah. So um, you want me to continue on from yeah. there? Yeah. Talk about your time at Huntington. Yeah. So, so I didn't really get much exposure. I didn't have any division one um, or two scholarship offers. Um, and so to be honest, I, I started kind of doubting myself a little bit, you know, I knew I was good, but was I good enough to play at a collegiate level? Um, where could I play? Um, I didn't really know uh, how to go throughout that process. Um, and I actually talked to my high school coach, James Holiday. Uh, he was, he's now a principal at the, at Dayton Christian, um, but he was my high school coach. Uh, he had just started coaching and 
he actually went to Huntington and played at Huntington. Um, and he said, listen, Jake, like I could talk to the coach. I can get you out there for a couple practices and see if they like you. Um, and then see if you can get a scholarship out there. And so I ended up going out um, and I did one practice. And then the next day, um, the coach there, Russ Lawson, um, he saw a lot of potential in me. Um, he actually recruited me as a forward, um, but I just needed one practice just to show what I had and just kind of show my mentality and that I was a hard worker, um, that I wasn't afraid to play with older guys, um, back down from some of those older guys. I mean, at the NAIA level, I was playing with guys who were 24, 25, coming in as an 18-year-old because there's not really many rules compared to D1. So, um, yeah, he gave me the opportunity. Uh, I went, um, started every game as a freshman, um, which, I mean, definitely helped me develop as a, as a player. Um, and that season actually was my first season, like, fully at center back. Um, and I, I really liked it, really enjoyed it. Ended up tearing my labrum in my shoulder, uh, put me out for a while. I didn't get to play summer ball uh, that summer. Went back to Huntington the next fall and I played pretty much every single position on the field that year. Um, we had another center back come in. And so I didn't really play center back that much that season besides the first four or five games ended up moving up top, going on the wing, playing a bit of midfield. I remember playing six once that season, um, which I actually really enjoyed. But that also helped me as a player because I got to know the other positions, um, got to develop uh, my foot skill, just being on the ball, um, my IQ. Um, but then that next summer, I was like, all right, I wanna play summer ball. I gotta find a summer team. Let me just look locally. So I looked at Dayton Dutch Lions and Cincinnati Dutch Lions. And the Dayton Dutch Lions coach at the time actually had known me from high school. So he gave me the opportunity to be on the reserve team. He said, you probably won't get many minutes on the first team. Um, just come out here, practice hard, um, play well in the reserve games, and then maybe, maybe you'll get your shot to be on the roster. Um, and that summer, probably halfway through, I got my chance just by working hard in practice and kind of putting my head down, not getting frustrated like some other guys would, um, and got into the first team and subbed on into a game against Cincinnati Dutch Lions and actually scored in stoppage time. We ended up losing 2-1, but I scored a header in stoppage time um, and kind of ran back with the ball. We only had probably 30 seconds left in the game but the coach definitely saw um, my mentality and just um, how hard I wanted, how hard I worked and how much I wanted it. Um, and I eventually started more games, played really well. And at the end of the season, he told me that I should look to transfer, that I have what it takes to play at the division one level. Um, and yeah, so, I mean, Dan Greist, that's that's a name that I'll remember for the rest of my life because he definitely developed me and, and gave me a shot because he reached out to as many coaches as he knew um, at the D1 level um, and kind of opened up that opportunity for me. 
um, to transfer from Huntington to then BG. So I went back, played my junior year at Huntington, got All-American. Um, we won back-to-back -back tournament titles and did really well there. And then I looked to transfer to B, well, I looked to transfer D1 and then BG gave me the opportunity to. <laughs> that's that's an amazing story it's an elaborate story too yeah but that's that's what's gotten you to this point i was getting ready to ask you you know when did you realize that you had the pro potential and at what point did you realize you needed to transfer before the dayton dutch lions coach suggested that you may want to transfer were you thinking that was that in your head to be honest not really you know i was kind of just um practicing and playing uh to improve my game um knowing that i was playing around good players um that i could improve and then take it back to huntington and you know go ball out at huntington and and i didn't really think about uh the opportunity to transfer I, um, it didn't really cross my mind um i kind of just was having fun and enjoying it which is one thing I always try to do. It's a foundation of my game is just to have fun and enjoy it and not really think about what could happen or what might happen. Um, and so I think that when he, I, I remember it was after the last game of the season, uh, him and then a player uh, from the team, Tate Robertson, who actually graduated from Bowling Green, he plays at Chattanooga FC right now in the NISA, but um, they both pulled me aside and said, listen, Jake, like, you, you need to transfer. Um, I don't know if you've thought about it, but like you definitely need to transfer. <laughs> and so that's kind of when I realized, okay, like I want to take that challenge and, and go to the next level, talk to my parents. And they're like, well, if they say so, then I guess you should try it, you know? I think that's really cool. You said one of the foundations of your game is, is having fun. Soccer <laughs> becomes so difficult and so hard when you're not having fun. Yeah. You know? When, when coaches aren't allowing you to have fun and when you're not enjoying it. So that's all, that was also a foundation of my game. And that's, yeah. that's, that's really cool. Um, so why Bowling Green, you know, your Dayton Dutch Lions coach was giving you suggestions on possible D one programs reaching out, but why Bowling Green and specifically what was it about Bowling Green's program that made you feel that they were the right program for you because you really only had a couple crucial seasons left before being eligible for the draft. Yeah, yeah. So to be honest, um, after that season, you know, I wanted to transfer. I mainly focused on in-state schools. And so BG being one of those, um, Wright State, University of Cincinnati, when they had a team still, um, UD, uh, University of Dayton, um, Cleveland State, you know, I just focused on, on those uh, in-state schools. Um, and to be honest, uh, a lot of them were pretty skeptical about getting a player from the NAI level. I mean, if, if I'm honest, uh, it could be a hit or miss, you know, grabbing a guy from that level. Um, you never really know uh, because, I mean, I was a center back who scored 10 goals my junior year at that level. And so it's like, okay, is he playing good teams? Like what type of teams is he playing? Um, what type of team is he on? And so a lot of those coaches, you know, they were kind of skeptical, um, even though I played for Dayton Dutch Lions in the summer. And so when talking to BG, um, they were one of the few schools that didn't seem um, too uh, doubtful, I guess, um, when recruiting me, um, mostly because I had a 
teammate with Dutch, Dutch Lions that was at Bowling Green and he kind of explained to his coach like listen like you need to get this kid he'll help raise the standard of the program he works hard um, he does a lot of things in his off time not just like during practice but like on the weekends he'll go out and run he'll work out get touches whatnot and so he really helped those coaches kind of believe in me as a player a little bit um, when recruiting me. Um, and then when talking to those coaches, you know, I just, I, I really like the culture that they had in place. Um, they bring a lot of in-state guys, a lot of local guys um, to the program, a lot of just blue collar Midwest players. And that's the type of player I've been and I am. Um, and then, you know, they bring in some international flair, a uh, couple international players. Um, so it was a good mix of good mix of guys. And obviously I, I grew up watching soccer and playing soccer. And so I watched a couple of their games and I was like, all right, I think I can fit in this system. They play a three back. And so it's good for center backs. It's good exposure. Um, they develop, they're known for developing center backs. And so I think that that was a big reason um, why I wanted to go. And then also, I remember my first phone call with uh, the assistant coach, Son, Sean Teep in there. And he even said, he, he was like, listen, we were really close to a MAC title last year. They had just lost to West Virginia in the final the year before I transferred. And he, he stated to me clearly, he said, we just lost, but I think that you can be the piece we need to take the final jump um, to win it next year. And when he said that, I was like, all right, like this is the place that I need to be at. They want to develop me. Um, they also understand that I want to take my game to the professional level eventually. And the coach, Eric Nichols, um, definitely <laughs> has helped me um, obviously take that jump to the professional level, but he made that promise. He said, I'm going to do what it takes. As long as you do your part, I'll do my part. And so that was ultimately why I chose BG. That's awesome. You mentioned yep. coach Nichols and which ways did he and the coaching staff and BG in general prepare you to become a pro? Yeah, to be honest, it, it was a lot of like the fine, um, small details of my game. You know, I had the athletic ability. Um, I always was a very fit player. Um, and so he didn't really have to work on that side, um, which is good for a coach. You know, I've coached a little bit, you know, younger kids. And when I have a kid who loves to run and just runs the whole game, I can focus on those little like fine details of which foot to pass to or where to pass or, um, how to get out of situations. I don't have to focus on, hey, like you need to get fit, you're tired, like you need to go do sprints before I can work on that. So I think you just um, kind of fine tuned my game a bit. But if I'm honest, um, he definitely worked on my mental side um, of my game and just as a, as a person um, working on me, uh, just helping me become a man um, and developing me as a person rather than just a player. Um, and I think that's that's huge, especially as a coach. I mean, when I get into coaching eventually, um, I'm definitely gonna focus on that side because I think that's really ultimately what it takes to play at the next level is to be just mentally sharp, um, mentally strong, um, to be able to get through tests that coaches give you 
um, when you get benched or you're not even in, in the squad or say you don't even make the first team. I mean, like, what are you going to do? You're going to put your head down. You're going to you're going to back down from those challenges. No, you're going to you're going to run through that wall that they put in front of you. And so I think that's one thing that Nichols um, definitely helped me develop. Um, I remember countless times just sitting in his office, arguing with him sometimes, just like having my idea. And he was like, no, like you need to think about it this way. Um, and and so I, I really appreciate him for doing that. Um, even this past year, you know, I'm, I'm a captain leading the team. Um, halfway through the season, we're about to play Michigan State. He says, Jake, like we need to meet, we need to meet. Um, we had a hour meeting um, up in up in his office and and he's just like, listen, like you need to get it together. Um, so he wasn't afraid to point me out. Um, he wasn't afraid to challenge me. Um, and I think that's ultimately what prepared me to take the jump now um, to the next level. And hopefully I can be successful uh, with everything that I've learned there. I've talked to, <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of professional players over these past two years. And I've always asked about mentality and things like that. And I didn't even ask you about that. And the insight that you just gave me of what coach Nichols did for you, you know, not on the pitch, but from a mentality standpoint, yeah, uh, that goes such a long way. You can look at how many progressive passes you've made, how many duels you get into per game, but from your experience under Nichols and I can tell from just what you're bringing to this interview, you have the intangibles to be a leader and a guy that's always going to work hard. Yeah. I think like that's, that's definitely part of just my core is just to work hard uh, no matter what comes in, comes. And uh, like I said, like when a wall is right in front of me, like, am I going to run through it or am I going to try and go around it? Um, and I, I mean, I like to run through it. I like to like to put my head down and just, just go with it. And, and I love getting tested because that ultimately is what grows you as a player and a person. Um, and you can take those lessons and those tests and take them with you the rest of your life. You know, it's, it's not just part of the game. It's, it's definitely uh, life lessons you can learn. Um, yeah. And that's why I love the game so much because I've grown so much as a person just through my soccer experiences. So <laughs> This is quickly turning from a soccer podcast to a motivational podcast. <laughs> Good. I, I'm hoping that maybe I can motivate some people. <laughs> no, that's funny. All right. So let's go to more recent events. So you had a really successful career at Bowling Green. Uh, yeah. Nine goals, six assists in two seasons, two first-team All-Max selections, and a handful of other accolades. As you earned one of the 44 coveted spots in this year's MLS College Soccer Showcase. Can you tell us a little bit about what the showcase consisted of and if you think your performance at the showcase helped your draft stock? Yeah, so first off, I think my performance definitely um, helped my draft stock for sure. Um, you know, coming from a smaller school like BG compared to like a big ACC school or, or um, a Big Ten school, uh, you know, you kind of have your doubts on those types of players um, coming from just a, a mid-major school like BG. And so I got a chance to prove um, in front of a ton of coaches and scouts uh, what type of player I am and got to show my ability, um, but also got to show the passion I have. You know, we got to, 
I'll jump into kind of what it consisted of. So the first day was we, we showed up, um, we had a meeting and then we went straight to uh, the first training um, with our separate teams. So there was two teams of 22 there and our team trained first. Um, and during that training session, you know, you, get, you got a little bit of nerves, um, obviously. You, and that's kind of good at some time, like some points um, to have nerves. It honestly makes me play better when I have nerves. If, if I'm not nervous, then I'm nervous, you know? <laughs> so uh, um, definitely uh, train well. Um, I like to say that, I like to think that I'm a, I'm a good practice player just because I like to enjoy the game. Anytime I get a chance to play soccer or even if it's pickup or uh, actual game itself, you know, I'm going to enjoy it like it's the last time I'm going to play because um, you never know when the last time is you're going to play. So um, I definitely uh, did well in the practice. I impressed a, a couple scouts. Um, and then during the combine or the showcase, uh, the teams are allowed to interview you and meet with you. And so I had a couple uh, teams say that they're impressed with uh, my first practice um, and that they're excited to watch me play in the games coming up. So the next couple of days we had um, two uh, 11 v 11 scrimmages and you really only played one half in each of those games unless there was guys getting hurt. Um, and so I played probably about uh, 45, 90, I'd say 110 minutes in those two days um, in front of all those coaches and scouts. And yeah, I definitely say that it helped my draft stock for sure. Um, just showing that I can defend, I can win balls out of the air, good on set pieces. Um, and then I can thread balls through, you know, progressive passes, 1v1 duels, got to show a lot of my ability um, on and off the ball. Um, and then blocking shots, you know, I love blocking shots. I love winning headers. And and I think uh, MLS teams definitely appreciate that, you know, just being able to defend and have the, have the basics of defending and do those basics of defending pretty well. And, and I definitely got to showcase that. So I definitely up my draft stock. Who were some of those other teams that interviewed you? Um, DC United was one. Atlanta United was one. Um, those two definitely were um, the two teams that seemed most interested during the showcase. Um, and then I wasn't interviewed by any more, but I had some other teams talking to my agent um, that had watched me at the showcase. Um, so it was, it was pretty cool, you know? I mean like from going to, hey, I might not even be in this combine. Um, that's what at least my coaches were telling me, like don't expect to be in it, to getting invited. You know, I had kind of had the mentality, like I got nothing to lose. I got everything to gain. And I just wanted to enjoy the experience and, and having those interviews, it definitely like helped me because I got to ask questions um, in those interviews. And so I got to ask kind of what they look for um, in players and, and kind of what they watch for. And that obviously like any insight you can just take and, and learn from and then grow as a player. 
Um, and then they obviously shared what they thought about me as a player. And so it was pretty cool, you know, just, just talking and being able to experience um, that. I mean, who else gets to experience that? Not very many people. And so it's definitely something I'll take with me for the rest of my life and experience I'll, I'll remember for the rest of my life. That's so cool. Thank you for that insight. Yeah. Oh, yeah. who, are, who are some of the best players that you competed with at that showcase? Man, uh, well, I, I had on my team and I played next to Kip Keller um, from St. Louis. Uh, we played center back together. Um, and even before uh, the game started, I could tell that we definitely would work well together. And then I got to know him a bit, got to talking to him a bit. And he's he's just a really good guy as well. Um, good head on his shoulders, kind of same mentality as me, you know, just wants to work hard and just loves the game. Um, we definitely, at the end of the combine, um, we joked around and we said, all right, we definitely made each other look better during this weekend. So, you know, shout out to you uh, <laughs> and hope you do well in the future. Hope, hope everything works out well. Um, so Kip Keller is one that stands out for sure. Um, the Markanich brothers from NIU, um, both blue collar type players. Um, they both played really well at that combine. Um, Eric Centeno from Pacific, freshman, um, went up against him in a lot of 1v1s. He beat me on the first one. I'll give him that. Uh, then the next couple, you know, I blocked a couple of his crosses and, and took the ball away from him a couple of times. But he is a very quality player. And, and you can just tell by him being a freshman GA, um, he, he's a very good player. But to be honest, like all those guys are good. All those guys are good. All those guys have what it takes, you know, that's why they're invited. Um, so Sophie uh, from Oregon State, very good midfielder. I watched that guy's highlight tape and oh my God. I, I'm telling you, like he just, he, <laughs> I was very surprised he didn't go higher in the draft. Um, I was Me telling too. my whole family, I was telling a bunch of my friends, my teammates back at Bowling Green that he's probably one of the better players that I've played with and I only played with him for three days. Um, so I, I'm hoping that he definitely um, is successful at the next level. And I think he will be just because of the player he is and what skill he has. <laughs> That's really cool insight. So before we go to our break, I have one more question for you. You're the fourth Bowling Green player to be selected into the MLS draft, joining Steve Klein, Ryan James, and Ebenezer Akon. What does yeah. it mean to you to represent Bowling Green? And what does it say about the standard that BG is setting for their soccer program? It means everything, you know, the program took a chance on me. Um, you know, like I said, sometimes coaches can be a little skeptical bringing in an NIA kid um, to, to a big program like Bowling Green. Um, and so because they took that chance on me, they, they saw in me what I saw in myself. Um, and, and I wanted to give back to them in a way. And so doing this and, and being drafted um, kind of Show, showcasing Bowling Green and what we have and the standard we have at Bowling Green at the inter, at the national level, you know, that everyone can see, hey, like this kid's from Bowling Green and he got drafted. It means a lot, you know, I, I really just want to make my coaches proud um, and my teammates too, you know, pushing me um, every single day, um, doing extra workouts with me um, and just honestly, just being there for me uh, when times are tough, you know, when you, 
don't feel like going out to practice the next day and and it's just like well i want to be with the guys uh so so definitely want to make those guys proud and and i'm glad that i'm able to do that and hopefully i can keep making those guys proud but i mean it, it's it's just cool you know it, it it's proof that Bowling Green's moving in the right direction. Um, you know, Ebby uh, got drafted in 2019, Ryan in 2016. Um, like those two guys are great players. Uh, Ryan's still playing with uh, Birmingham Legion and I actually chatted to him before the MLS showcase and he asked him for some tips and, you know, we, we still chat every now and then. He congratulated me once I got drafted and, said the work starts now, you know, um, but it, it's cool because I'm hoping that BG kind of gets the respect they deserve um, after having two successful seasons and then me getting drafted. Um, I'm hoping that more eyes are kind of turned towards the program um, and that more guys on the team um, start getting the respect they deserve because there are guys on that team that have what it takes to play at the next level. And I've told those guys that, but I'm just hoping other guys see it and give them the chance. Well said, Jacob. Listeners, we're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsors, at a Time Outfitters. Stick around because after the break, we will be discussing Jacob's draft day emotions, what crew fans should expect from him on and off the field, and so much more. We'll be back in 60 seconds. We all love the beautiful game. We spend countless hours watching, tweeting, discussing, playing, and talking about the sport. And we all have our favorite memories when our teams made history. Moments like Liverpool's miracle in Istanbul or Celtics 2-1 triumph over arguably the best Barca side ever. Those moments that keep us coming back for more. But what if you could carry those moments with you all the time? At a Time Outfitters creates soccer-inspired wristbands to let you wear those memories on your wrist. Each reversible elastic design gives supporters of the beautiful game a unique way to rep their favorite team in any setting. With wristbands for your favorite teams from across Europe, the USA, and beyond, each At a Time design incorporates a 90-minute story from that famous match. Check out all 24 of Added Time Outfitters' current designs on the web at www.addedtime.com or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Added Time Outfitters. Welcome back to MLS Gone Wild Season 4, Episode 1, featuring Columbus Crew's second-round pick in this year's MLS Super Draft, Jacob Erlinson. Head over to AddedTimeOutfitters.com for all your soccer-inspired wristbands and apparel, Use code GONEWILD at checkout for 10% off your entire order. January 11th, 2022, the day your dreams became reality, draft day. Jacob, describe to me what the entire experience was like. Where were you at? Who were you with? And describe your emotions when you found out you were drafted to the Columbus Crew with the 40th overall pick in the 2022 MLS Super Draft. Yeah, so obviously, you know, leading up to the draft, feeling so anxious. Um, where am I going to go? Who's going to take that chance on me? Is someone going to take that chance on me? Because, you know, you can have all these people telling you, hey, like, you're going to go in the draft. Um, this is where you're going to go. You can look at all those mock drafts. Um, I personally didn't look at any of those mock drafts because I just don't believe in those. But um, yeah, so feeling anxious, you know, and I didn't really know where I wanted to be. Uh, I told my teammates uh, I wanted to be with them. And then leading up to the draft, I was like, oh, do I want to be with my team? Um, 
do I want to be around my coaches or do I want to be with my mom, um, with family, friends? Uh, and so it was, it was kind of difficult to decide because, you know, you, you know you're going to be anxious watching that draft. So who do you want around you? Um, and I actually was talking to some of my teammates and the draft was at 3 p.m. Uh, Eastern time. So all of them pretty much had class. And I was like, all right, I'm just going to go home. Um, be with my mom, you know, someone who supported me, uh, someone who I'm just comfortable being around no matter what. Um, and then if I if I don't get drafted, you know, who do I want to be around? Probably my mom, um, some close friends, some other family. So I went home. Uh, I practiced actually that morning with the Bowling Green team. And then I drove home uh, to Dayton um, to be with family for the draft. Uh, and I actually had some of my best friends come up from Cincinnati where they go to school and where they live. Um, so they got to be with me. And man, I tell you, I was probably the most anxious I've ever been that day. You know, I mean, it's something I've worked for my entire life. It's a dream to be drafted. Um, obviously still have a lot of work to do and, and preseason and what's to come, but it's something that, is, is special, you know? Um, and so <laughs> sitting down, uh, draft's about to start. Mom made a bunch of food, so I'm definitely stress eating um, <laughs> all that all that chips and salsa, chips and guac. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I was sitting down, draft had started, you know, I was excited to see where all my friends were going, guys I met at the showcase, um, guys I've known for a little bit, I'm excited for them. Um, so I'm watching first round, first round took a little while, you know, because um, it's streamed and they run through the video, they, different people talk, um, different people are interviewed, but it was really cool. You know, I was just relaxed during that first round. I was predicted to go um, late first round, early second. And so I was kind of just chilling for the little bit, uh, like first 15 picks. I was just chilling, just watching the interviews and seeing the different stories of those players um, and seeing the emotions of those guys getting picked. Like Kip um, getting picked was pretty cool. Um, seeing uh, Anthony Markanich get picked um, was really cool. I think Fox Soccer had posted that on their social media. And it's just cool, you know, you play against those guys, you get to know them a little bit. Um, and it's just cool to see dreams come true. Um, but as that first round ended, uh, second round's about to start. I'm sitting down on the couch, hands on my knees, hands over my face, um, not really talking to anybody. Uh, I had my close cousin sitting next to me, and she's like, Jake, like, it's all right. She's just pushing me a little bit, kind of joking around with me, uh, rubbing my head. She's like, Jake, you're fine. Come on. Come on. Let's, like, you're getting drafted. Come on. I was like, all right. Like, take a deep breath. It's all right. So then second round started and it's not stream. You just got to watch the draft tracker. And that's almost more nerve wracking than uh, watching the stream itself. And so I'm just sitting there. Uh, I see Nick Markanich go uh, second pick in the second round um, to FCC, which I mean, is pretty close to me. So I was excited, to him, excited for him. Um, I had a friend who lives in Cincinnati, has season tickets to FCC games. And so he was pretty excited about that. So I got the, you know, calm down a bit, was excited for him. But then, I mean, you see those names keep popping up. It's like, when's my name going to pop up? When is it going to pop up? 
and then a couple picks before crew had their pick um my friend who was sitting close to me he goes jake columbus is coming up columbus is coming up and i was like be quiet like don't put anything in my head like please be quiet if they draft me hell yeah if they don't like i mean it is what it is but oh man i tell you what the what was running through my mind was man if columbus drafts me like that would be i mean it would be full circle you know like somewhere I grew up going to, um, supporting those guys like John Bush and Frankie Hayduke, Chad Marshall, all those guys watching them on that pitch. Um, it was, all those thoughts were kind of running through my head. Like, will I be playing, I mean, not playing on the same pitch as them because of the new stadium, but will I be putting on the same jersey, you know? Um, and when I saw my name, pop up for Columbus crew. I mean, I just stood up, I hit the couch and I just kind of let out emotions. Um, almost like I had just won an NCAA tournament game. I kind of just yelled and I was just like, that's like, that's amazing. Let's go, like, let's go. And family was around, so they were hugging me. Everyone was clapping. Um, to be honest, I can't, I can't even really describe the feeling I had, the emotions I had, just because it's just something you, that you just have to feel yourself almost and, and see for yourself. Uh, I have a video of me uh, when my name popped up and, and you can just see the emotion on my face. And and I almost shed a couple of tears and not quite. Uh, my mom definitely shed, shed a lot of tears. Uh, and then friends were obviously happy for me. I was just hugging everybody. Um, but yeah, it was it was definitely a crazy day um, and emotions were high, but it was a day that I'll never forget for sure. Yeah, it was, you know, the first round, you got to see everybody's live reactions. Uh, yep. was it Fry Matutu out of uh, oh. Michigan State. That was incredible. And then the, the Markinich brothers out of Northern Illinois, I mean, what a moment the brothers supporting each other i asked you about you know what it's like playing with your brother earlier we saw the raw emotions of that on that live stream that was really cool so i had to ask that it kind of paints a picture for for those listening that didn't get to see it firsthand so that's is there any video out there of it uh no you know i have that for safekeeping okay Um, yeah keep that for yourself man yep yep (laughs) okay so have you talked to caleb porter tim bezbachenko or anyone from the club since being drafted and if so what have those conversations been like no, I haven't talked to the coaches themselves. Uh, I've talked to guys who work um, for um, the club, you know, like team ops, um, the equipment manager, whatnot, you know, getting ready for a preseason. But I haven't yet got a chance to talk to Caleb Porter yet, but I've heard a lot of good things about him. Obviously, he coached at Akron um, in the MAC. Um, so Eric Nichols knows him pretty well. Um, and then obviously, knowing he played for the crew. Um, like I know I know of him, you know, but I'm I'm excited to meet him. Um, excited to meet the other staff, members, the players, whatnot. But yeah, I mean I haven't talked to I haven't talked to any of them yet, which which honestly like is almost good in a way. Um, so that once like I get to preseason, you know, I can kinda reach out to them and meet them there and and have that first conversation face to face. I think I like um, face to face conversations much more than over the phone. And so I'm excited for it.
very excited for it. We're excited for you. So what's next? When do you report for preseason? What's that process going to be like? Do you know? Yeah, so I actually, um, I go tomorrow. Uh, I go up to Columbus. Um, and then Sunday is our first day of just, you know, the, the physicals and whatnot. And then we head out shortly after to Fort Lauderdale, Florida for preseason. Um, and so, you know, I'm excited for that. I'm excited for the opportunity to show what I have in front of the coaching staff. Um, play against those players, you know, I'm, I'm excited to challenge myself and also just show that I'm able to play at that level and play against those guys that have been playing in the league for a while. Um, I think I have what it takes and I'm ready to show it. Speaking of what it takes, you, you talked about it earlier in one of our segments, but for people that might just be tuning in now, what kind of center back should we expect? Describe your style of play, your strengths and your mentality. Yeah. So, um, my style of play, I like to head the ball a lot. I'm pretty, I'm really good in the air. Um, and I take joy in winning those headers. Uh, my teammates always joke around with me. They're like, Jake, I don't think you win a header without yelling. And I'm like, well, I mean, I love going up for a header, winning a strong challenge, you know? So that's definitely a strength of mine is just the aerial game, but also just, I like 1v1 defending. I like the challenge of a player running at me. Um, and I like being that guy who stops that player, you know. Uh, there's a lot of crafty players, a lot of guys who can pull moves out. And so I like having that challenge to, hey, all right, what, what are you going to do? You're going you're gonna to try and beg me to get past me? You're going to try and push it past me? Like, I, I, I like that challenge. So 1v1s. Um, and then also just on the ball, I like uh, spraying long balls, right left foot. Um, and then threading balls through uh, to feet, you know, finding my midfielders because uh, those are those are the creative guys, you know. Give the ball to them and let them do the work and the attack. Uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna dribble up, you know. I'm not gonna really um, drive the ball forward as much. <laughs> I'll just give it to my midfielders to to distribute, you know. <laughs> but I like threading the ball. Um, but then the type of mentality I have as a player, I'm, I'm just a competitive guy. Um, like I said, I love just the feeling of blocking a shot. I mean, it's probably one of my favorite feelings in the world. Um, during this past season, I took a bullet to the neck and I kind of laid down a bit and I got up and I was like, whew, let's go. Like, give me another, give me another. Um, I, I'd put my face in front of a shot if I could, you know. Uh, I, I really get an adrenaline boost from that. Um, and I'm just a blue collar type of player, you know, Midwest guy. Um, as I explained my journey, um, I've been counted out a lot of times um, throughout my career, um, one way or another. And so just kind of having that blue collar, just hardworking mentality, um, it shows on the pitch. And then I'm just a passionate guy. I, I enjoy the game. I enjoy playing every chance I get, whether it's training, whether it's just a lifting session, whether it's um, actual game, you know, it could be a MAC final, um, which was really cool to win. Um, but it could be a, the biggest game in the world and, and I'm just gonna go out there and enjoy it. And I'm like, people see that I play with passion um, mostly because I enjoy it. So yeah, that's the type of player I am. And, and I'm excited to hopefully get the opportunity to show at the next level.
what are your expectations for your first year as a pro? Do you anticipate having to wait a few seasons and develop with crew two? Are you looking to make an impact right away? Yeah, you know, um, I've had a couple of people ask me this question and I mean, I don't know if there's really like a good answer <laughs> or a right answer. You know, I, obviously you want to make an impact right away, but I think um, as a young player, um, someone who's obviously now making that jump from um, collegiate to the professional level, um, you obviously have to have an open mindset. If you don't have an open mindset, then you're just not, you're not going to make it. Um, and so knowing that um, I could have first team minutes if I perform well, you know, um, then like, yeah, you know, like, let's go. Uh, I'll take those. I'll take those minutes if I get them. But I think having, like I said, having an open mind, um, knowing that the plan is probably to develop me um, at the crew two level um, or other plans that they might have. Um, not quite sure yet, but having that open mind is definitely something that is important um, and something that I have. Um, and I'm just, you know, ready and, and willing to learn, learn from those guys who have been playing for a while, learning from the coaching staff, um, taking in as much information as I can, while also showcasing what I already know and what I have. And then, you know, we'll see what, we'll see what plays out. Um, it's just, I, I think that if, if you go in with a closed mind and if you go in with one idea, like, hey, um, if I don't get this, then, you know, I'm, I'm going to be upset. Um, that, that's never good to have. Um, but it's always good to have goals. And one of my goals is obviously going in and, and showing that I have what it takes. And I feel like I do have what it takes. Um, but it, it might take a couple of years, you know, and that's all right. That's all right. Yeah, perfect answer. So when you report to preseason, are there any players there that you're going to be like starstruck to meet? I There's mean, a couple of Akron guys there. There, there are, there are. Um, you know, growing up and, and watching like uh, obviously Zardes um, on the national team, um, Darlington Nagby, you know, uh, uh, those guys, you know, you obviously look up to them because they've been playing for a while. They've been playing at a top level. They have U.S. men's national team caps. Um, and, and honestly, uh, yeah, so I'll definitely, uh, I, won't, I wouldn't say starstruck because, um, you know, you're at that level now and, and you can't really be starstruck. But uh, uh, I'm excited definitely to, to play from, with them and, and learn from them as much as I can. You know, uh, um, they, they've been through it, you know, they've made mistakes. Um, and I think that's what grows you as a player. And so to be able to just learn from them and listen to them and hear from them, take any tips I can, um, I'm excited to do that. Um, I'm, a, I'm also excited to just uh, meet those young guys as well. Um, the guys who've, who've signed homegrowns, um, a lot of my BG teammates, some of them have even played with uh, those young guys like Isaiah Parente, um, Sean Zawatsky, Aiden Morris. They've, they know those guys pretty well just from the academy. And so having mutual friends, I'm excited to meet those guys and play with those guys because they speak really highly of those players. Um, so I'm excited to just go in and learn, learn as much as I can, and then also just develop as a player by playing with those good players.
anything you're looking to improve upon in preseason? Um, I mean, not anything specifically, you know, I, I think just uh, going in and then and seeing uh, maybe uh, what I need to develop um, or what I need to work on. And, and like I said, having an open mind on those things that I need to work on. Um, but definitely just, I mean, speed of play, obviously that changes from level to level. And so I definitely know I need to work on my speed of play, um, thinking faster, playing faster, um, and doing everything at a faster pace. Um, also just um, being more physical, um, maybe even just gaining a bit of weight, you know, putting some, putting some more muscle on me, because um, that's something that changes at every level as well. So you know, having an open mind and then kind of just going with the flow and then seeing what I need to work on as the days go by. Um, and obviously I'll, I'll do what it takes to work on those things that I need to. Life is about to fly, man. As soon as you go to Columbus <laughs> tomorrow, you're going to be busy until season starts. It's going to be crazy. So I'm, I'm really glad I could, I could get you on the podcast tonight, but before I let you go, is there anything you would like to say to the Nordeca and the Columbus crew supporters who have tuned in? Yeah, um, you know, I'm excited. I'm excited to represent this club. Obviously, I've grown up supporting this club and and I'm excited to hopefully um, eventually um, get some minutes with the first team. But, you know, whatever, whatever my role is in the club and the organization, whatever the coaching staff um, wants me or like wherever they want me, um, whether it's crew two um, or the first team. Um, you know, I'm going to be supportive of my teammates. I'm going to represent the organization as best I can. Um, I'm going to show up with a smile on my face every single day. Um, and then hopefully, I mean, if I'm if I stay with in Columbus and stay with the crew for a while, I can get involved in the community as well. Um, I love working with young kids. I, I love coaching. I want to coach one day. So hopefully I can get involved with um, some youth clubs around the area. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm just excited for this experience. I'm excited to see what the future holds. You know, I don't really know what the future holds, but like I said, I have an open mind and I'm kind of just ready to, to, um, get the best out of Columbus. And I hope, uh, Columbus can bring the best out of me. Yes, sir. Well, I'm betting on you, ma'am. <laughs> After this interview, I'm fully confident that at whatever capacity, that you play for the Columbus crew, whether you develop for a few years in crew two, or, you know, if you do come in and you get some minutes for the first team, uh, I'm betting on you. And I think you have what it takes. I think you have the intangibles. I think you have the skill set. I think you're ready. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, we'll, we'll see if I'm ready, you know, we'll see. We'll see. Of course, man. And it all starts tomorrow. It does. So you, you talked a little bit earlier about being nervous. Are you nervous for that? I, I don't think I'm, I'm, I'm a little nervous, you know, and it's good to have nerves, but I think I'm just more excited over everything. I'm excited to get this part of my career started. Um, it's something I've dreamed about as a kid. So I'm definitely more excited than nervous, but you know, there's always nerves. There's always nerves. And if there's not, then you're comfortable. And so uh, I like being uncomfortable and yeah, we'll see where, we'll see where it goes. And that's a hell of a way to end it, Jacob. Jacob, thank you for joining MLS Gone Wild, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Of course.
Listeners, thanks for tuning in to MLS Gone Wild Season 4, Episode 1, featuring Columbus Crew's second-round draft pick out of Bowling Green, Jacob Erlinson. Tune in next Wednesday as I sit down with Western Athletic Conference Offensive Player of the Year from the Air Force Academy, Tristan Traeger. Until then, please take care of yourselves and one another. Peace.